Hi everyone, uh, welcome to Hello Zafigo uh, Season 2. For those of you who have been following us on Season 1 uh, a few months back, welcome back. Uh, those of you who haven't been following us uh, last season, you can always go back to our website on zafigo.com and watch all the past uh, six videos which were just great, great conversations um, that we have, that we've had. So now we're starting season two and we are kicking off with a very, very special person. Um, you know, we all travel and we all travel, we get inspired by places and people and things we see, but the person we have on today has taken it all to another level. So I'm happy to introduce to you uh, Red Hong Yi. Uh, welcome, Red. Welcome to Hello Zafiko. Hi, thank you so much, Marina, for inviting me. I'm super excited to be joining with you on this. Yeah, we are, we're thrilled to have you. Um, just to tell everyone a little bit about uh, Red. She is from Malaysia. She is originally from Sabah in East Malaysia. And she's a contemporary artist who makes work expressing her heritage and Chinese diasporic consciousness. Uh, she's known as the artist that paints without a paintbrush. And um, it's really quite amazing. She creates mixed media installations by reinterpreting everyday materials through the accumulation of objects. And these are works that consider perpetual habits and preconceptions on the chosen objects and subjects, expressing the themes of women and race. So women, that's a key word for us here at Zafigo. Uh, everything we try and do uh, relates to women, if we, can, if we can do it. And she's exhibited all over the world. She's been mentioned uh, in magazines like Wall Street Journal and Time, and won several awards including Sotheby's Institute and named her as one of the 11 art world entrepreneurs you should know. And Tidler Magazine has named her one of Asia's most influential voices in 2020. Now, if you don't know Red Hongyi and don't know what she does and don't quite understand what we mean by the artist who doesn't paint with paint, um, let me get her to give a brief introduction to your work. Okay, so take it from there, uh, Red. Thank you so much, Marina, for, for the introduction. I'm so honored to be sharing this with all of you. And I think when you mentioned about all that, it made me just think about, I guess, my journey in the last seven, eight years of really just finding all these random objects and putting them together. And um, yeah, I've been super thankful for, for this journey. And um, just, just here's just a brief kind of overview of what I do and um, how I started and what I'm doing right now. So I, I started this whole process of getting random materials and making it into art, artworks when I was working in Shanghai as an architect in 2011, 2012. Um, so at that time, I think I just wanted to work on art projects on the side because when I was living in China, I thought, wow, there's so many, 
there's just stuff in abundance that I could find there from Alibaba.com and things like that. So maybe it was the change of environment that kind of inspired me. Um, here's one of my earlier projects. It's made of coffee cup stains instead of, I guess, coffee cups and stains being a nuisance. I thought, why not work around, work around things that, um, that we kind of overlook. So that's the basis behind what I do. So if you um, flip to the next one, this was one of my earlier works about, and it was a portrait of Jay Chow. So at the time I really wanted to highlight, um, I guess personalities that were mentioned in the media a lot when I was living in China. So they were Jay Chow, um, Yao Ming, he just graduated, not graduated, he just retired from the NBA at the time, Zhang Yimou, filmmaker, and um, Jackie Chan. So if you flip to the next one, um, this was a portrait of Zhang Yimou made of socks. So I was really inspired by how locals hang up laundry in little laneways in Shanghai. And this was done in my grand auntie's living room. So I am really close to my family in China still. And um, in the next slide, this is me just pinning up socks and my neighbors came over to help me out. So there was this really nice community thing going on there. And if we go next, this is me hanging up socks <laughs> in, a, in a little laneway in Shanghai. And I think before I knew it, I started to have people following me on, um, on online. And, um, and I think the more surprising thing was that I started to get clients commissioning me. Um, so next one is, this was a portrait of Aung San Suu Kyi. So I wanted to create a portrait of a female leader. And, um, and this was, so Aung San Suu Kyi has flowers in her hair a lot. I think when she goes for public appearances and I wanted to use objects that had a connection with the person. And um, so I dipped white carnations in, in um, red dye of various tones. And over time it would, I guess, suck up the tone. And um, if you go next, that's a, uh, so that's, I think from day one to, to hour zero to hour 48, it kind of just emerged, her, her facial features just emerged through that red dye, the tonality of it. And if you go next, this was, a, this was a piece for Chase Manhattan Bank, and it's made of tea leaves of, I guess, different types of tea leaves from black tea to all the way to chrysanthemum. And next, so this was a commission piece um, that I created and it was shown in a 30 second ad in North America and next and, um, This was the final piece. So um, if you wanted to look at all all these are documented in video They're all on my portfolio and I'll I'll just punch in the link on in our chat group right now and um, next This was a piece that's close to my heart because this was shown at the World Economic Forum and um and it was to be a piece that was shown during malaysian night and i wanted it to i guess re really reflect the not just the visuals of malaysia but the smell behind it too so i i used this um i used about twenty thousand tea bags dipped in different kind of tea intensities to create a piece of a man making tetaric so this was pretty fun and um yeah, and it was really meaningful for me to be able to show this in Davos. Let me go next. 
this is just a close-up of that and I just wanted to thank the 20 students who were helping me punch in like just clip on all these tea bags over two months and also my family members they every time after I create a piece they're like we're not helping you anymore <laughs> don't make us go through this <laughs> and um, next this was a piece for Jackie Chan so this was for his 60th birthday and it was made of um, about 60,000 chopsticks. Next. And um, yeah, so this was, this was kind of a, a bit of a dream come true to me to be able to create something for him. So he actually saw, I think, my Zhang Yimo piece made of socks and the J Chao piece. And that's how he got to know my work while I was living in China. Uh, next. And these are more recent pieces. So I did this last year for, for a tech company in Singapore. And it was to show, I guess I wanted to show the skyline of Singapore, kind of pixelated, but in the forefront, where they came from. So from a fishing village to who they are today. And if you go next, this is just a bit of a detail of how it looks like. It's weaved bamboo and um, the black bits are burnt and charred on. And um, next, and this was, so going into what I've created this year, during lockdown, I think um, I was pretty, I was a little bit sad, I think when the lockdown happened and when I was, you know, all my traveling plans were halted, like a lot of people. Um, but at the same time also, I think there was a lot of news about racism happening because of, I guess, um, because of where the virus seemed to be originated from and people were afraid of Asians um, in a lot of Western countries. So there were all these, um, I guess, stories of assaults and things like that. So I started, a, a, I guess, a 10 part series of portraits of Asians wearing masks. And I titled them, I am not a virus after a movement that started from France. And I used various materials from my pantry from green tea like this one. And then if you go next, this is um, this is candy sprinkles. So the portraits that I feature are actual either victims of assault or people who have stood up to I guess uh, speak up against it. So this was a I think a four year old girl who got stabbed or three year old in Texas for being Asian. Um, and if you go next, this is this is a Malaysian oh Singaporean student in London who was punched. I don't know if you read about that story um, and then but he really spoke up about it and um, yeah his story is worth sharing next and um, this was a piece that I did recently just last week um, featuring my grandparents who I was in lockdown with in Sabah for three months and I'm lucky to have all three parents who are in their 90s um, one is almost in her 90s and I wanted to, I guess, create a piece that, that just spoke about my time with them. And if you go next, this is currently installed in Zongsan building. If you're in KL, do come visit. It's gonna be up there for a week. And next. And finally, this is a sculpture, my first outdoor sculpture, permanent sculpture that I'll, I will be working on. It's gonna be, at the Star Residences right beside KLCC. And this should be going up in December or January. So yeah, that's just an overview of um, what I've worked on and what I'm working on right now. Wow. Um, it's really 
you know, I mean, I mean, you must have a brain that's really different from everyone else because how do you equate, you know, this, this work, this portrait with this material? I mean, which actually tell us through your, your process, which came first, the, the idea of the, the picture yeah. and then you decide what you you what material you use or the other way around i mean what how do you connect the two <laughs> i think it's a little bit of both but i really started with like people and wanting to tell their stories so the very first one was yaoming and i mean the immediate image you think about is a basketball so i decided yaoming and basketball just connect them and then tell his story and then it became a little bit more less obvious after that. So with Jay Chow, he has a song about drinking coffee. So coffee came in. And then Zhang Yimo, I guess it, it's about him portraying the Chinese culture in a very rich and interesting way. And in Shanghai at the time, I thought these bamboo poles were just super fascinating and used in from you know just wushu to laundries. I used that. And um and then I guess gradually it became about researching on these people and an object that would tell their story. But sometimes it goes the other way around too. If I find an interesting object, I try to link it to link it to something as as well. Right. And so when when you are commissioned to do mm -hmm. a work like the tiger, mm -hmm. do they just leave you free to use whatever? Did they tell you we want a tiger in the first place? And, sec and secondly, that, you know, use whatever. Yeah. Or, or what? Yeah, I think um, a lot of my clients have been wonderful. So they, they come to me knowing that I create pieces out of objects. And um, they usually would give me free reign on what to do. And I would give them a couple of ideas and proposals and also research on their company values and culture and all that. So with the tiger, I think Chase... Yeah. A strong animal and um, and and it was really to I think I, I I do try to prioritize getting materials that speak about my heritage and culture and I wanted something that was I guess um, oriental so I used tea tea leaves for that as well mm -hmm. but, you know but how do you picture these things I mean they're, they're huge right yeah. And how do you know where to place what? Uh, do you do it freehand or do you have a template of some sort? Or, I mean, I'm, I'm non-artistic. Oh, no, no. So to me, this is like, wow, yeah. How do you do this? <laughs> I think um, you want me to tell you the truth? No, I'm just kidding. I think I, a lot of people think I handball these things like, 60,000 chopsticks, place, place it here and there, but there's actually a lot of planning involved. And half of my work is done digitally on, on the computer. So I think my background in architecture helps a lot. Um, I do have to, to be careful about how many materials I, how much I actually order from like a factory or online um, through manufacturers, because um, I, I don't want to go above as well. So I do plan a lot of it on the computer and I use modeling softwares and things like that. And um, yeah, wow. but I do study like so, photos and things like that of an image. 
Right. So you, you do get a precise count of what you need. And uh, yeah, but I thought the carnations thing, soaking up the color is amazing. Oh, thank you. Uh, the portrait of um, Aung San Suu Kyi. But, you know, I mean, where did you get that idea from? I think um, at the time, so this was done in 2013, 14, after oh. I watched The Lady um, featuring Cho right. Yo. So I think yeah. I, I was, I, I just, I was inspired to, to create a portrait of a female leader after creating four portraits of males. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to to Tangimo and all that. So I thought, okay, a female leader in, I guess, in the Southeast Asian region would be great. So so I think it was also after watching that movie that I was inspired by that. And I did wonder about the flower and the significance of it. So, it But the idea of soaking up the color, hmm. that, that's what I, I thought was really clever and that it develops over time. It did. A bit like a photo, you know. Oh, right. Out of the dark room, right? Oh, I thought about that. That's a really yeah. good it. Yeah. Yeah. That took me about, I think, six months to to really figure out. Um, wow. I mean, it wasn't, it didn't take that long, but also I think I knew that I wanted to create her portrait with flowers, but I didn't know how. So, so I think it was after some, like, just observation and really that, letting that idea marinate in my head that one day, I think I was walking past like a florist and I thought about how about that whole, what I learned in science back in high school kind of thing that might work. Right. Mm -hmm. huh. So is, is six months like about the normal time you spend trying to put, you know, from start to finish, from idea to actual execution and... Uh, yeah, not not really. I think these days it comes faster because if a client gives me, especially if it's a commission project, right, gives me a deadline of say two months, then I would be able to work within that. But if it's a personal project, I do take my time a bit and kind of tinker around a little bit. So, so it depends on the deadline, really. Uh, ah, yeah. so this like this show that you're doing at Songshan, that's yeah. a personal project, right? That, that's a, a personal yeah. and collab also. So I, I wanted to create something about, I guess, that highlighted my thoughts during the MCO. And Uniqlo actually came in and said oh. that mm -hmm, we want to create a video showing what your thoughts were during the MCO, during the pandemic, and um, what, what ideas do you have? So I, I told them that this is a bit of a personal thing. Are you okay with that? And they, they were happy with that. So it's a bit ah. of a too. So coming back to the MCO, uh, obviously you were stuck, like <laughs> a lot of us. Yeah. Uh, I mean, normally you normally you live in in LA, right? Or you travel between mm -hmm. LA and, and Malaysia and home. Mm -hmm. um, but when where were you when we started? March uh, March eighteen. Were I you back here or? Yeah. I was in um, Sabah. That's my uh, that's from KK. And was was that by chance or or, or I projects there? Um, uh, I, so so I think when that happened, I was like ready to fly <laughs> and probably 
go to the States. And then um, my dad was like, no, 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 no. Think about this. Think about this. Don't be reckless. This right. is unprecedented thing going on. You don't want to regret. And yeah. yeah, so I thought about it. And I think I'm, I'm in hindsight now, I'm grateful that I'm here. And mm -hmm. I think at the start of the MCO, I was pretty down about everything that was happening and felt really locked up. But I am grateful for, I think, where the country is at right now with the situation. And um, yeah, I've been able to do a lot of things that I wouldn't be doing otherwise also without this happening. But did you find, I mean, you've been traveling a lot. You've, you've been so many places and that presumably has inspired a lot of your work was there a difference with being home and um, I mean it's not like you lost inspiration you still had some but um, was it different mm. your sources of inspiration was it different from when you were traveling mm -hmm. I think when I was traveling I I think the projects were more spurts of like smaller projects and then like a, a larger one would require me to be on the ground for some time. So I feel like I'm less distracted right now working on projects and I'm able to plan long term. Whereas I think in the last couple of years, it was all right here and there, here and there, just like run around with my suitcase. So, so it's been nice. And I think um, it's allowed me to also get to know the local art community a lot more, which has right. been wonderful. So I got to know right. quite a few artists in KL while I'm here. Oh, good. Good, because I, I'm sure you have plenty to share with your international experience. And uh, I, I think you've been a great ambassador for, for Malaysia, too, with, with all your travels and international recognition and everything. Oh, but I, I, I just want to ask you, I mean, the pieces you have, okay, apart from the commission ones, mm -hmm. which I guess the company, whoever owns it, what do you do with all the rest? I mean, when you make things with tea leaves or yeah. sprinkles, I love the one with sprinkles. Oh, thank you. Thank do you. you. I mean, how do you preserve it or don't you? Yeah. So I guess some of the pieces, say the, the ones of my, my grandparents, those are owned by me, although, although a company came in to, to cover and feature it. So, yeah. so some of them are still owned by me, but the ones with the sprinkles and all that, I guess... The end piece would be the photograph, so a high-res photograph of it. And um, I suppose also I tried to, so I think last year I tried to work on a series of um, personal projects. It's called um, Future Relics. So they feature 10, 10, 10 artworks of vases inspired by different themes about women. So that and that's of eggshells. So that that's something that's really close to me too. And um, and I was actually going to have a solo exhibit of that in the states this year. Yeah. But um, I guess I'm I'm okay about my plans being a little bit different because of the whole situation with the world right now. Um, so yeah, I think it's fifty fifty for me. Some of fifty percent of it is personal, and fifty would be owned by clients but but do you how do you preserve them i mean do you keep them or right. do they get swept off the floor or something yeah i don't so know swept off they're, they're like they don't exist except in photo form 
right now. But wow. over the year, I had to think about what what objects can I use that would be durable. Because when I started, it was just do this for fun and just upload a video. But mm -hmm. so I guess that brought me to eggshells because that's actually a really old um, art technique that has been refined by um, the Vietnamese actually. So they do use mm -hmm. a lot of eggshells in their, I guess, vases and paintings and things like that. So early yeah. went to Vietnam to learn from local artisans about how to preserve the eggshells. So they cover it in sealant or resin or, or lacquer. So, so that's, that's what I do. So I try to use materials that can last for decades or hundreds of years from now. Great. You should show that, that exhibition here. I mean, oh, you know, yeah. we want to see it here. <laughs> so I'm going to go to the questions from the audience. Uh, mm -hmm. Anyone who has questions, please put it in the chat and I'll try and go through them. Um, those of you who are watching on Facebook, uh, I'm sorry, we're going to give priority to the questions on Zoom, but if you do have some really, really far out question uh, that needs to be asked, somebody will, will send it to me and then I'll try and ask it too. So the first, one of the first questions actually was about the, um, uh, the eggshells. Um, what, well, I guess you've explained the inspiration came from Vietnamese traditional artwork. Uh, is that right? Mm. But of all your projects, which has been your favorite today? Oh, whoa. <laughs> I think um, I, I like, so I, I actually, I think, um, so, so I, I came across this interview by an artist and she was, she was asked the same question and her answer was the next one. So I think that's, that's, <laughs> answer but recently I worked on a series of portraits for Post Malaysia and I'm really excited about that one yeah out soon um, I can't I can't show you the I can't I can't show the public the images now but it's coming out end of October and it's a series of five portraits of Malaysian frontliners made of stamps and it's gonna be made into stamps so in a stamp you'll see oh, a lot of cool yeah, so they saw so, that. Yeah. The stamp collectors will be thrilled. First yeah. covers and all that. Yeah. Then, can we book? Can we book ahead? <laughs> of course. I think um I think they're gonna print ten thousand sets of them. And every oh, fantastic. thousand. So um I don't know the details yet, but I'm really looking forward to that one. And they saw saw the, the I Am Not a Virus series that I created during MCO and they, they liked that kind of visual so it's inspired by that. Oh terrific, terrific. Mm -hmm. So uh, like other questions, um, how do you, okay one from Jolene Chin, how do you keep your tea pieces from growing moldy? <laughs> do they grow moldy? Yeah, so the tea pieces, I had to make sure they're really dry, first of all, and then I poured resin on top of it. So that was, oh. that was inspired by, you know how you go into souvenir shops and there are all these orchids that are set in resin? Yeah. yeah so that's the idea behind that. And I, I guess I did a lot of research on how long they can last for. As long as they're dry and then airtight, sealed in resin, they would... They would They'll... Oh. Or ages. It must get really heavy though if you put them all in. 
Yeah. 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 So, and Jolyn also asks, your pieces are large. Mm. Well, they look large anyway in the pictures. <laughs> what happens to them after an exhibition? I mean, this is kind of what I asked earlier. I, yeah. The I ones guess, that are actually, you know, fixed <laughs> like that. I guess um, they would be owned by the either the client or I would own them. So it depends on, I guess, our our agreement. I still have my very first Yao Ming piece. It was almost chucked into the bin. So um, I remember just doing the piece and then I kind of like rolled and scrunched it up. And my videographer friend said, no, 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 no. What if, what if people start noticing your work? Do not, trust me, don't throw that away. Yeah. So, so I have my friend Joelle to thank. It's actually in my storage room right now. So I have quite a few pieces rolled up. They're not framed or anything. I should frame them nicely and exhibit them or something like that. So they yeah, you could have a retrospective one day. Yeah, I'd love to do that. And bring out, you know, your earlier, earlier ones. It'd be nice to see your evolution, no? Right. From from one to the other. Okay, Jean um, Eng from Hong Kong asks, do you consciously use mostly biodegradable products in your pieces? Mm -hmm. And I think this one you've already answered. How do you visualize the granularity in using your objects? I think you kind of have answered that. But the first one about biodegradable products. Yeah. Um, I don't consciously use them. I try to use non-biodegradable products so they can last long or I would treat them. So like the the chopsticks, the bamboo chopsticks, they're treated bamboo chopsticks that would not mold. And um, if it's if it's biodegradable things like say um, the sprinkles and things like that, it would be images that would be the final piece. So right. it's, it's both. Mm. So did Jackie Chan keep his portrait yeah he did he did where does he put it because i imagine that you need a space to yeah. hang it out he actually has like this museum space with a lot of art pieces and oh. they're right in beijing so i worked on it in beijing for him oh cool yeah. that was pretty fun great um okay sean lee is asking who are the artists that you look up to? And is there a project, piece, bucket list you hope to eventually tick off? I don't know anyone else who really does what you do, you know? Oh, um, yeah. I, Sean, Sean is dialing in from <laughs> Melbourne. From Melbourne, yeah. Yeah, I hope you guys are all doing all right and staying sane. I have a lot of friends there who are like, oh my gosh, it's like, it's going on. Me too, me too. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Let me just really quickly check on my um, battery. Just 10 seconds. Right. I'm like, oh, my, my battery was splashing and I didn't switch on the, the charging switch. So I could have gone off for a bit. But um, uh, who isn't? So artists, I think who are the artists you look up to? There's an artist called um, Vic Muniz. I don't know if you're familiar with his work. Uh, let me type him out, Vic Muniz. And all right, so off the top of my head right now, Vic Muniz, 
Chuck Close and Taiko Chang are three artists who have really inspired me. Mm -hmm. um, so Vic Moon is, he has a documentary that is, um, I think it won the Oscars for best documentary of him going to the largest dump site in Brazil and working with garbage pickers to create portraits of these garbage pickers with garbage. And I think he worked on it for two years, just brought garbage into this warehouse and then kind of placed them all over and took a picture top down. And um, I talked about how, because I think he sold these pieces at Christie's after that. And to these wow. garbage pickers, it's just mind blowing how much art can be sold for. So right. was the question of- I hope they got some of it. Yeah, the, he did it to, to, I guess, give back to the community. But I think it was questions of, you know, how the reality of how much they were paid and how much these things can cost also. So there were themes in there. And he really inspired me because he uses a lot of objects, just everyday things. Um, Chuck Close creates huge portraits. And I, I think this year I have been intentionally going back to portraits because I want to go back to storytelling, to talking about people who I am painting. Mm -hmm. And uh, Tai Guo Chang is this Chinese artist who just uses gunpowder and just blows up all his artworks. I don't know oh, if you've seen this Yeah, one. I think I've heard of him. He, he yeah. blows them up. Yeah, and he looks just, he looks like this humble Chinese guy who just does all these crazy, just explosive work. Um, and it, I guess it inspires me how brave he is at um, just experimenting. So um, those pieces of the bamboo weaves with, um, that, are, that have images charred and burnt on were inspired by, by him. Yeah. Okay, Brian Hall uh, is asking, he has a daughter who is interested in art and of course your work. So any advice for 12 year olds as to where to begin? Which makes me think, have you been uh, producing art since you were a child too? Or was this a, a late discovery? Um, I think I've always loved art. I've always, I, I, I don't know. I think about this a lot because as a kid, like when I was four or five, I, I remember loving to draw Sesame Street characters and my parents would go, oh, you're, you're good at it. So I think it was also a combination of getting all that praise and wanting to, to, to show them that I was able to create that just pushed me on. Um, but I think one of the, the things that I have to remind myself is that um, I think early on, I, I was, I picked up the skills to draw pretty early on, but I remember, I think when I was seven or eight, I joined an art competition. The teacher was like, oh, like, Hongi, you're, you're, you're good at drawing. You represent the school to, to join this competition. So I did. And another friend, like family friend who was, who to me was not that great <laughs> at art, joined the competition too. And the, the title of the, the competition was, you know, draw your favorite animal. So I drew this like perfect looking Easter bunny holding a basket. And this boy drew this crazy shark that didn't even look like a shark and like had pencil markings all over the place. And then when the judges announced the prize, I wasn't even in like top whatever list. And he actually got a hamper. Like, so he was like, 
happily like shoving it into my face. And I think I just like, I just went up to one of the judges and I said, what, what happened to like this bunny? And the, I think it was a teacher. He said that your bunny was too perfect and it was too, I guess, cliche. And yeah. I feel like before and there's no emotions. Whereas your friends was like, just like all over the place. I can tell that he loves sharks. So I think that's something I still think about that even though I might technically know how it works, if I don't pour in emotions, it doesn't communicate anything. So, um, right. yeah, so that's something that, that I do have to remind myself that art is a form of communication. It's not about being perfect. Also. Yeah, you know, my, my daughter, who wasn't much of an artist, went to an art class with this artist. And the amazing thing is that instead of drawing, teaching them how to draw, okay, this is a tree and this is a house, like we normally, you know, brown trunk, green. Yeah. He was teaching them abstract art. Wow. And that really freed, freed the kids, you know. They could, they could just think of a concept and then do what they wanted. And it's, it's, it was really great. And then they had an exhibition at the end, which of course was a bit of a trap for parents because then all the parents felt obliged to buy their, their kids' um, work, right? <laughs> but, but yeah, it was a very interesting exercise uh, in, in getting kids to get out of the usual, you know, must color within the lines and yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. I wonder so, how art is taught in schools these days in Malaysia. I don't know. Uh, me, I was so bad of it. Uh, uh, so bad at it that I, I think I dropped out very early on oh. because there was no hope. <laughs> no hope for me. <laughs> but I think that that's also a little bit of a like looking back a bit of a, a a danger also for teachers or for even parents to go oh you're not good at this because yeah, yeah there are different ways of communicating art and um right and ex and expressing you know i mean i am discovering that now as a much much older person yeah. how to express through well, I guess it's a form of art, you know, journaling and things like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, back to the questions from Ratika. Are you a I need peace and quiet type of person while you work? If not, what do you listen to when you work on your pieces? Do you have your headphones on and, you know? Yeah. Um, I think... I think it depends on what type of work it is. If it's a, I need, I need to have my brain like tuned on and like calculate these things. I need to be alert. Then I would try to, I need peace and quiet. But if it's just repeating the same thing, like a laborious task, then I would have podcasts. I love podcasts. And mm. um, yeah, what sort of podcast? What podcast? Oh, recently I've been listening to NPR a lot. So uh -huh. there is How I Built This, um, Hidden Brain, which is about social psychology that I love a lot. There's one by New York Times called Modern Love. So it's a yes, I know that one. I love that. It's so good. And it's they made a, a a Netflix series, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. Yeah. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've I've got it into. That's one of the MCO product, byproducts, podcasts <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten into. So, yeah. 
Sorry? What podcasts do you listen to? Oh, usually funny ones by women. And um, there's a wonderful series about Hollywood, about all Hollywood stars. Oh. That, um, and their histories. But there's a, a sub-series of that um, that talks about kind of uh, women in Hollywood and beauty. Like the ones who suffered because they were big. Oh. Uh, there's a whole story about Merle Oberon who hmm. was of uh, Anglo-Indian origin, but she hid that fact for the longest time oh. because of racism and that sort of thing. Anyway, <laughs> that's sort of, we're not talking about me. But, huh? <laughs> we'll, talk, we'll talk later. I'll, I'll give you some recommendations. Great. Um, but yeah, so, so you listen to podcasts. I think that, that's great. You know, feed your brain well. But mm. your your work is quite manual, isn't it? I mean, mm. you really have to use your hands when you when yeah. you work and and concentrate. Yes. So, uh, from Tersha, where's the first place you'll travel when it's safe to travel again, and why? That's a great question. I mean, I'd I'd love to hear your <laughs> answer to that too. First place I'd travel. Maybe, actually, actually, maybe China, because I do find a lot of inspiration from there. My brother is actually going to be based in Shanghai next year, um, so I'd love to visit. And also, I had two residencies that I was going to go for this year. I've never done any art residencies, so um, for those who, who have not heard of it, it is... Um, residencies are when, I guess, institutions offer a space for you to work at usually with living living and um, working expenses covered with a, a community of artists. So um, I had, I was accepted to two this year. It was one in LA and one in Shanghai. So I wanted mm. to go back to Shanghai to really document a lot of these old laneways that, um, that I really love, that that's where I featured mm. and hung up a lot of my artworks, like the sock piece. And they're disappearing bit by bit because the whole city is being, you know, just um, it's developing into high rises. So I wanted to document that before they disappear. Um, so yeah, so probably Shanghai to create that, to document all that. Mm. I also wanted to go to some, um, do some residencies that, you know, that, that was writer's residency. Mm. Uh, that, that's gone for, for the moment. Okay, there's a question from Facebook. Do you have any Malaysian icons in mind you think could inspire a future piece from you? That's oh, a wow. leading question, please. Yeah. Um, but. That's a great question. So um, I guess this year, going back to wanting to do portraits, like especially, I do want to create portraits of Asians, of Malaysians, um, that's something I have to think about. So I was really inspired by, I think during the whole Black Lives Matters movement, there were a lot of, um, I guess, um, artists from the black community that were sharing their works. And I, I just really enjoy seeing that. So Kahind Wiley, who did Obama's portrait. Um, yeah. yeah, and um, and also Amy Sherald, who did Michelle Obama's portrait too. So I do want yeah. to document more Malaysians and um, 
I guess Asian. In in that way or in your unique mm-hmm. way? I'm, I'm I, I am really curious to know what sort of materials you're gonna use <laughs> for these portraits now. I mean Let's think about that a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, boy, you know, that, that would be assignments to yeah document people with all these different various materials. Um Kok Chin Lam is asking, what was your first job before you became an artist? You were an architect. Did you spend much time I being spent, an architect? Um, I interned for a firm in Australia for a year. So I, we did a lot of townhouses, um, a lot of house projects. And um, when I was in Shanghai, I worked fully for about two years on a lot of just mixings and skyscrapers. So I think at the time, construction was booming in China. We, I was working on a new skyscraper design every two months. So it was just back to back nonstop. And then, um, yeah. So it's the I, most vertical city I know. I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a great time there. Yeah, I'm sure. It's, it's really buzzing, right? Mm. The whole time. Uh, Nicole C is asking, can you share your different experiences of working on commission artworks in different cities or countries in terms of the freedom of creativity given to you or the local acceptance towards your subjects or concepts? That's a great great question. Yeah. Um, Hmm. I I kind of asked earlier whether your, you know, the companies just left it to you. But I think this is a deeper uh, question to that. Were they always happy with whatever you came up with? Oh, let me think. Um, my very first piece, very, very first commission piece was actually, uh, by an Italian company. It was actually Nespresso. So they opened a boutique in, um, Bologna and they wanted to honor Lucio Dalla. Um, one of the, I think most celebrated singers who, who had just passed away at the time and the boutique was right below his apartment. So... So that I felt a lot of pressure because not being Italian and also just learning about his work and his PA and people close to him were going to visit the piece. Um, so so I, I spent a lot of time, I guess, just studying his face and all that. But um, I think when it was exhibited, his PA came in and she actually teared and she said, oh, I, I, can, I can actually see his spirit in it. So I think that... Uh-huh. That, that really made me go, okay, to create portraits, I have to capture that spirit. And the challenge is not knowing the person and really yeah. studying that person and I think his values and just what he's like through stories and all that and capturing it in their eyes or their facial, facial features. So, um, okay. so that was, they were very, I think they were very open to that, although I am not Italian. Um, and I think... Uh, I think in other countries, let me think. So I think in the last few years, I veered off from portraits a little bit. I went to like landscaping and all that, but portraits still my my thing. But um, did you make? Did you do that out of coffee or coffee I, capsules? I did. Yeah. Uh, that was the stamping, uh, and I I'll I'll put the link down here as well. Uh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. And let me think in terms of. I well, I find that in the U.S. they they're very open to new ideas all the time. Like just do what you like. Let us know what your ideas are. Let's like let's push this. And there are other countries that are a little bit more conservative. I do find Japan a bit more con- conservative. 
Oh uh, yeah. Have you done something in Japan? Um, I have had, I guess, conversations about exhibiting some pieces. So I mm. think, I think, um, and also a couple of clients also as well there. So they're more, I think, a little bit more conservative. I think with how much I can push, also. But um, yeah. but it, it's it's very deep. I I love their I guess attention to detail and all as well. Mm-hmm. Right, but they're also quite innovative. The Japanese they they do interesting things too. Some other uh, questions. Um, what is from Facebook? What's the toughest, hardest to manage medium that you've worked with so far? Mm, I think anything that is live. That is, live? <laughs> like so flowers. The, flowers, the flowers were hard because I couldn't yeah. really control them. So some, some of them didn't suck up the dye. And yeah. um, so I had to really study the angles of like cutting it and how much water to put in and all that um let me think so yeah i think anything that is a little bit more um like a living thing is hard. That, that has a mind of its own yeah, exactly. yeah. i mean it's it's all the same size and all that roughly yeah uh okay some more travel related questions do you have a favorite city a place that inspires and invigorates you oh shanghai um, <laughs> Shanghai was great. Um, actually, I really loved Lebanon. I yeah. was a couple of years ago. And I think, um, so I've not really spent much time in the Middle East as a place I'd love to one day uh, really, I guess, explore a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. But it was really interesting. I was not aware that there were such a big community of, I guess, Muslims and Christians living together. And um, and it just looked like Paris. It was it was gorgeous, mm-hmm. partying, and at the same time, you know what's happening around the border. So it was this crazy contrast. And also, so I was there with uh, a male friend, and he left. So I had one full day by myself, and I did feel a little bit, I think, afraid as a female traveling there. So um, but people were very friendly on the streets, very nice and very hospitable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so sad what's happened to Beirut. Yeah. 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 Um. So, what was your most memorable travel experience? Then uh, was that was that it? Beirut, uh, Istanbul? No, sorry. What do you say? Lebanon. Yeah, that would stand out. The other place that stood out for me was Tibet. Um, ah. Yeah. So you managed right- to go to Tibet. Yeah, yeah. So right after I quit my job in Shanghai, um, I had some free time to travel. So two friends from Sabah and I went to Tibet for about a week. And uh-huh. also it was eye-opening to see how, how I guess, um, people were so just really sweet and very, like, I think everything was really raw still. And they were so, I think, de- devout to to I think their religion also. So that was that was really interesting to observe. Right. I'm sure it's also inspirational, no? Oh yeah. Um okay, do you Ping is asking, do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? 
most most artists are shy and not good at expressing themselves. Do you yeah. think that's a crucial ex, ex aspect for an artist to get exposed? Does that mean you have to be extrovert and you know be what do you call it networking all the time, or should your work speak for itself? <laughs> you know. Yeah, I think I'm a I'm a in between to to be honest. I think I I really enjoy meeting new people, going to social events, but after a while, my social quota just like hits the ceiling, and then I have to go back home and kind of like <laughs> space out for a little bit, and then I'm okay. So I'm right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but but do you think that's important uh, when it comes to art? Hmm. To be which which do you think or, or it doesn't matter at all? I think it's good to be flexible, to not hmm. to be open to to meeting people and not keep to totally keep to yourself. And also the other way around is is important as well, to to be able to have enough energy and not <laughs> overuse it and burn out. Um, right. I think recently I've been binge watching Chef's Table. I love Chef's uh, Table, and um, it's yes. the different personalities. So you have Massimo Bottura, who's like you can tell he's just great in front of the camera, so good. And then there's Virgilio Martinez of Peru, who's like really quiet and but so creative. So I think there's a range of different types of personalities, and yeah. You. I think what what really speaks is what you produce, right? Whether it's an artwork or a piece of writing or food or whatever. In the end, that's that's what really speaks for you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a question from Nico Tan. Would you do 3D art installations versus 2 2D like piece, just mm-hmm. closer to a sculpture of sorts? And actually, that last picture that you showed, which was like a trishaw. Hmm. a red one I don't understand that what was that made of and, <laughs> you know and that's quite different from everything else you've yeah. done yeah so but um this was star residences they came up to me and they wanted a permanent outdoor piece so I so I said yes immediately because I've not done anything like that I really want to be able to do that so kudos to them for having the trust in uh in me to execute that so I started looking around for, I guess, um, materials, everyday objects that I could put outdoors. And with sculpture, it would be metal or steel. So I looked into tiffins, um, like Nyonya tiffins. Into what? Ah, is that what it was? Yeah, so they are tiffin carriers. So there's 2,020 oh. pieces of them to, I guess, mark this year. So 2,020 oh. pieces would be about 400 kilos of tiffins behind a, a metal bike. So um, I'm working with a, a friend who's helping me on the ground in China right now, build this while she's while we're kind of apart, and um, so yeah, I guess it's to 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 talk about how I guess this whole season of ordering from Grab and all that used to be just people carrying around tiffins. So I guess I tried to merge these two ideas together. So um, so yeah. where were Will this where will this uh, piece be exhibited? Yalan, yeah. I think that's oh here in KL. Yeah. So it's it's gonna if you take a photo of it, you'll see KLCC in the background. So I tried to oh, cool. make the stacking of KLCC with the with the tiffins also as a kind of cheeky way to to reflect what's going on in the background. 
is is it there yet or is it there yet not yet it's being fabricated oh. i know right now <laughs> oh cool can't wait it's it'll be instantly instagrammable i'm sure yay i'm looking forward to that um but 3d yeah are more challenging so i mean there's the whole thing about structure and making it make sure, making sure it doesn't fall down and all that mm -hmm. yeah so are you ever influenced by the cities you're in like just now you're talking about how you try to line it up with the yeah. and lining it up without actually seeing it right yeah. i mean you have to imagine it are yeah. you influenced by the cities you're in do you, do you find some cities more um inspirational yes, for sure which which um, ones so i think in the last since i've been creating pieces i started out in china i i that was how things happened for me i found that very inspiring just the abundance of materials and then i started traveling kind of hopping around um the states i was in australia for a little bit and i think um I was inspired by the street art scene a lot there because street art came from, I guess, stenciling in Melbourne is a big thing. And then street art also in um, LA, but coming back to Southeast Asia, I, I do find more, maybe it's, it's my heritage and my roots. I do find it very in inspiring to study what locals are doing, especially in Sabah, like what the natives are doing with their crafts and art. So I think that's why that's why bamboo weaving started to appear in what I did, and also the little eggshell pieces, and also I think seeing that in Vietnam in this region really inspired me. So it's definitely inspired by what I see mm -hmm. around me, and I guess that's why my art changed over the last couple of years. It was a little bit more. I think it's it's it it becomes a little bit different in each city that I spend time with. So I'm interested to see how KL would actually shape what I do. I've been looking into batik a lot here, actually. Ah, yes. Uh, I've just been on the East Coast and it's really like some beautiful stuff Tungano? out there. Tunganu and Kotobaru. Oh, wow. Uh, and how different. Actually, the, the states are next to each other, but the color sense is different. And oh, wow. yeah. Yeah. yeah, go to the markets there. The markets there are wonderful. Oh, fantastic. Maybe I should spend time like traveling up and down the peninsula. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or drive, you know, because they said that in the East Coast, the colors are influenced by nature, by the sea and everything. That's why they're very colorful. Hmm. So um, some of the questions um, about travel. Do you travel alone? Actually, do you have an entourage or something? And how did you decide where to travel for inspiration or does something else, you know, make you decide where you yeah. go? Um, I, 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 I'm comfortable traveling alone, um, but I think it's nice to travel with people. Um, I think when it comes to work, I do travel with people. So I either travel with um, an, an assistant who's helping me on the job my brother manages some of my projects. He comes on, comes sometimes with me. Um, oh. so, so I usually have someone with me, um, but oh. I have to, and, and it's nice too, uh, but I think when I see something amazing, I go, oh, I wish someone was here. <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah, you always want to share it yeah. with someone, right? Yeah. It's a good thing that you can now send photos, you know, yeah. very quickly. <laughs> that is cool. 
Okay, here's a question that's um, kind of, uh, I think, hinting at something. Jean Lee Chang mm -hmm. said, have you, have you considered taking someone as your mentee? Oh. Someone who wants to travel with you. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Travel, work. I, I will be working on a couple of projects next year and um because i'm so in sabah i have um a group of three or four freelance artists who help me quite a bit but being in kl i do need to probably get people on board to help me out with a couple of projects paid positions by the way so um uh -huh. yeah so i will be looking out for people who can jump in on some projects with me to carry those out in the next few months or so they sh they should look at your Instagram or something to yeah. figure out when when you need them. Yeah, oh, great. I mean, gosh, you know, for a young person to work with you, I think that would be really incredible. So we are just past four o'clock. Um, not many uh, questions uh, yet uh, left. Anyone else has last minute questions? Um, we can still ask some. If not, um, we might go to doing our big um, uh, group photo. Mm -hmm. So uh, can everyone uh, switch on your switch on your video cameras so we can see you all. And let's go to gallery view. Hello. Hi, 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 everyone. Come on. Tracy. Hi. Wow. Look at your audience. So many people. Oh, hi. Thanks so much. <laughs> I all would be artists or fans or <laughs> whatever. There's still some some people not on yet. Uh, a few more. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um, so, Zin. Yeah. I'm going to take some brain screens. So yeah, so you give us the the cue, uh, Zin, when to yeah. smile or whatever. <laughs> okay, hold on, yeah. Wait, Kuzai and Nora, are you going to come on or what? Ah, there they are, I think. Yes, okay, we're almost ready. Hold One on. more empty spot there. Ah, all right. Okay, everybody. Zin, tell us. One, two, three, smile. Okay. All right. Do we do another one or do we do a funny one? Malaysians like to do this, uh, what do they call it? Um, freestyle. Okay, we do another one. Freestyle. Hold we on. do some freestyle or you do one, something two, funny. One, two, three. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just one, just one last huh? one. One last one, okay. One, the next perfectionist. Okay, that's good. That's all. Right. So before I end, thank you, um, Red, for a wonderful session. I think we learned so much about your work, and really looking forward to seeing more, especially here in in KL where we are, so we can actually go up and uh, look at them instead of just um, looking at photos. For everyone else who's joined us, thank you so much for uh, starting us off on such a good note um, with this first uh, episode. 
do look out for the other episodes uh, coming up. We'll have uh, another five or six for season two with lots more interesting people different from different walks of life, uh, somehow all related to travel. And, uh, and go to our website, zafigo.com, uh, where you'll be able to see um, the recording of this and other stories that, that might interest you. So thanks again, everyone. Thank you for joining us. And so see you again in about two weeks. Thank Say you. Bye. Thanks, Marina. Welcome. Thanks, Fred.